HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. Yeah, I got a friend with a lot of ambition. He don't got all the right education. But he don't need anybody's permission. It's always right on Saturday night. With a girl's reputation You're showing up alone Without a boyfriend But every time they miss A connection Cause he don't know She's ready to go No, no
want to do this? All right, go for Welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. That was just French Horn Rebellion, who will be live in studio talking about their new record, Classically Trained. But first up, we have brothers, father, son. Father, son. Father, son. Jacob and George, Haji Georges uh, from Jacob's Pickle. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you. Having us. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming in today. Thanks for taking a break from the new restaurant, which we'll talk about shortly. We just ran here from uh, brunch, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. How was service today? It was great. Uh, the weather was beautiful. It is. Per- uh, yesterday was a little bit tough, but today was perfect. Perfect weather. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. Uh, Mom wanted you to be a lawyer, but Dad was in the restaurant business. It's obvious who won out, but how did that path take shape, and how did? your mom began to be okay with you following in dad's footsteps? Uh, so I guess the point came where I was looking for, for a creative outlet. And uh, I actually never thought it would be in food. Um, I grew up in the restaurant business. I watched mom and dad in the business my entire life. And it wasn't the, the easiest of circumstances. Uh, but then the point came uh, following college. I, was, I took the year off prepared for LSATs, went through that whole process, applications, and I realized it wasn't for me. I wasn't doing it for myself. And I really believed in pursuing a passion, something that would really motivate me and that would allow me to, uh, to, to unleash the creativeness that I felt. Uh, I started with some clothing design, uh, T-shirts. I always, truth be told, I always had both of my parents' support. But yeah, mom, mom had different plans. Uh, but I always had dad. Uh, supporting the vision, and finally the point came, an opportunity came up in Boston. He was uh, the master franchisee of Beard Papa's Cream Puffs that you may be familiar with. I'm not familiar with. It's a Japanese brand, great product um, in in Massachusetts. And um, I guess it didn't go as planned, and uh, there was this opportunity in Faneuil Hall, and I said, you know what, I have this, this idea inspired from late night, late night uh, cheap eats in college, which was mac and cheese. So uh, he set me up in Boston, and the rest is history. And Dad, uh, or George, as, as yeah. we'll go with it, what type of restaurant did you run growing up, and what lessons did you take from that uh, that you gave to your son of what to do, but equally what not to do? By the way, he, he has an economics background, so... Uh, we're, I think we're very similar. We have By similar personalities. <laughs> By the way. Let me just say that mom still 
<laughs> doesn't speak to me. <laughs> Just because of that. Nah, nah it's more than that. <laughs> and so what was the type of restaurant, and, and um, how do those lessons translate into the, the current restaurants? Well, uh, a restaurant that uh, an immigrant will, uh, will open with no money. Mm. Uh, find something that's uh, already there but is not doing well. Uh, go in with very little money and uh, try to make it. And uh, it was tough, especially the first year. It was really, really tough. What made it tough? Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> what was your signature dish in the early days, or what did you feel comfortable putting out into the kitchen? Uh, signature dish... Um, we had uh, great pastas, and it was uh, it was the pasta era back then. Uh, uh, but always fresh ingredients, and that's exactly what uh, made it. Uh, uh, that's 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 what made us uh, become uh, very popular in the community. It's um, what I always remember was when you ran a business, it always carried great values. Yes, and that's. Uh, that's something that we've we've maintained to this day, and uh, I've I've always used as a guiding light in our projects that we work on together. Well, this is a very family focused show. Obviously, Darren and I are brothers. The French Horn Rebellion guys are brothers. You twins. guys are family. We're twins. <laughs> yes. So sometimes it's easy to work with family. Sometimes it's not. Um, most dynamics um, differ between the family. So, what are some of the things or tips that you? Give, would give to people concerning to work with the family that help would help navigate how to deal with things that are more personal when they might need to be more professional. Well, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna throw it to my father. Um, I really I really owe it to him that he's allowed me the opportunity to to express myself in our projects. Uh, he's he's always believed in my abilities and uh, and the vision, uh, but but he brings fundamentals. Uh, an experience, and I think that's what makes us successful. But I think he has more to add to that. Well, uh, everybody should be allowed to make mistakes, and we all learn from our mistakes. And uh, there is no other way, uh, especially uh, in the restaurant business. As you know, it's a very demanding uh, business. And uh, uh, Jacob came in with passion and uh, new ideas. And, of course, sometimes he was super idealistic about everything. Uh, so he had to learn hands-on uh, the ins and outs of, the, of, of, of operating a restaurant, which is not just uh, glamorous and uh, no, yeah. it's, it's food cost and it's rent, in New, especially in New York City. Um, but he's doing really well, better than I was doing. So I, I'm, I'm very proud of him. There's a misconception uh, that, that this industry is glamorous and a lot of people get into right. it for the wrong reason. Well, uh, do you see, George, do you see Jacob ever making a mistake and you try to guide him? Or do you say he's got to make it and then when he's ready to talk about it, we can talk about it? Uh, well, I stepped in only when I was seeing huge mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> then I had to step in, <laughs> which wasn't. Uh, 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 it was very, very few times when 
when I think I had to step in. So, so what I always say with, with Jacob's Pickles, I came from, from the quick service uh, business in Boston, mac and cheese. Honestly, it's what motivated me to do Jacob's Pickles. It was just people had a great reaction to what we were doing. Um, but I think Jacob's Pickles was, was a different animal. And with his help, in, in a year we were where I would have been in two years on my own. Mm. So, Jacob Pickle, how did you figure out that the Upper West Side was your location? You're from Queens. You came from Boston. No one necessarily thinks of Upper West Side as a culinary destination. So what made you land there? Well, I think, um, I think the Upper West Side has, uh, has a great sense of community, something that we were always attracted to. Over the years, um, between high school extracurriculars, I always found myself on the Upper West Side, so there was a comfort level there. Uh, and it felt like um, a part of Manhattan that still had its own identity, and that and that attracted us to the neighborhood. In addition, there was a beautiful garden on to the to the left of the restaurant, and uh, that was just the the cherry on top. And how did you evolve the idea from your mac and cheese place into what became Jacob's Pickles, which formation of biscuit? comfort food obviously you can see that extension but why did you go in the that direction there is there's similar values um the the sense of hospitality the comfort food aspect of it but but i was um there was a point in my life uh throughout college and even younger where i was traveling around the country and i was really inspired by the food that i was finding i always felt and having the opportunity um with my parents and otherwise to travel around the world, I felt like New York had the best of every category. But when it came to regional American cuisine, it wasn't the case. And uh, I was really inspired by the food. I was looking for that food that I had found in other parts of the country. And I felt because the South had such a strong identity when it came to regional cuisine, it really showed through on our menu. What's also interesting about the place is that it won the 2013 Wallpaper Best of the Rest Design Award, which is very interesting that you lead with design. When you speak about the restaurant, design goes hand in hand in it. How did your design sensibility develop and where did your, where do you pull your aesthetic from? Well, first of all, it's, um, you're, you're inspired by the space, right? You walk in and it was one of the reasons we chose the space that we're in today it just brings a sense of inspiration, and you have to design to the space. Uh, it's, it's an organic process. I found myself having a knack for design. I kind of get it from my dad. Um, he's, he's even better with design than I am. Uh, he's great with shapes and, and spaces. Uh, but I had, a, I had a sense of what I wanted, the type of place that I'd want to dine in, and I think that represents a comfort level. Uh, people come in, and that's, how, that's one of the reasons why the space resonates so well with people. Uh, they instantly feel at home. And there's a great balance of materials uh, that makes the space um, great for, for different events in somebody's life or the, the type of experience that they're looking for. When you're looking at a space, uh, what comes first for you? The, the food or the design, or how do they play off each other? Do they evolve together? Does one come and then the other one speaks to it? Or how are they in conversation? Well, um, over, the, over the years, the, we, we've gone through this process of considering expansion. And we've looked at a lot of spaces. 
but most of the places I went into never gave me never gave me the feeling of this is the next location. Uh, I think that plays a lot to to the space, and of course to to the brand and how we feel it'll play in that that neighborhood or community. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick musical break, and then we're going to talk about the new spot, Mason Pickle. But first, we're going to play a track from Ramesh uh, from a few years ago on Snacky Tunes, and we will be right back. Awesome. Trying to get back home Where do you go? Kino eyes unfold you in a coat of chrome The feeling show And what do you know? Tell me, what do you know? What do you know about where I come from? What do you know? Tell me, what do you know about who I am? When I see you naked, I see more than flesh. Do you see the same thing? Entertainment value, no, I couldn't care less. The feelings high. And you were so young, baby, you were so young. Dragging your feet in the face of creation. I was so young, yeah, we were so young. And still there was you, the center of me. And still there was you, the center of me. And I don't know you, baby, you don't know me. We are just victims of the same situation. Baby, speak war, tell me what you die for. We were just born to lose this life. sense but maybe nothing does and never will and these gears keep turning these lives keep burning and love keeps changing around you stuck in one place and painting your face the color of mom the color of sky the colors of you the colors don't lie and i don't know you baby you don't know me we are just victims of the same situation Baby's big war Tell me what you die for Urges grow cold But the feeling stays Welcome back. We have George and Jacob Haji Georges of Jacob's Pickle and now Maison Pickle. First question, why the pickle? And why did it carry over? Um, pickles were a hobby of mine. Uh, our, 
our sort of sub-brand motto at Jacob's Pickles is beer, biscuits, and pickles. Uh, it was. It represents comfort food. It represents interests of mine, hobbies, and Jacob's Pickles really uh, told the story of my life to that point. And so Maison Pickle is just a natural branding extension and a value carrier. Yeah, so, so uh, we took over a space uh, recently on the Upper West Side. We're not open yet. A, a legendary space. Legendary space, that's right. West, West Restaurant. It was one of the, the iconic restaurants of the Upper West Side. It was a French restaurant. And um, honestly, visiting the space, I never thought I would, uh, I, would, I would take over. And once I went in there, I had that feeling. It's, our, it's the first time we're expanding in almost five years of having the space. I was really cautious of, uh, of making the right move and, and making sure we got it right uh, to continue that level of service that we have at Jacob's Pickles. The place is so iconic. Do you plan to pay homage to it, or how do you pay homage to that while still bringing on your own vision? Because people are going to say, oh, I miss this place, so I used to come here. How do you balance the old with the new? I think, I think that's really important. We're all about balancing uh, old world, new world um, philosophies. It kind of represents us um, as father and son being in the business together. We already have. Uh, we've already paid the homage. It's, uh, it's, it, it's already started in the sign. Mm. Um, there's this... It has an iconic um, neon sign in the front of the building, and we've actually repurposed it. And it has a very uh, retro look. And we're showing, we're proving that we're continuing the story on the Upper West Side. The other interesting thing about this is you're also leading with your architecture firm. Uh, you continue to develop that and balance that. Why are you leading with them, and why are you calling them out so much, even to the point where you're calling out the materials in your press release about how the restaurant was built. Why do you think that's so important to the nature of the restaurant? One of the things that, that inspired me to get into the restaurant business was the fact that I had the opportunity to express my creativity in different ways, including the design. It played an important role, and it's an, it's, it's an element that keeps me really engaged in the process. Um, we, we, based on the design award we already had, which was extremely organic, uh, we felt like we wanted to expand on that and really share this time what the vision was. Because with the first design, we were backtracking and going back and telling people what the inspiration was or what the materials were. So we're just leading with it now. And we felt like the space was so special. Um, we really want to put emphasis on the design. We're, we're evolving from the design at Jacob's Pickles. It's, it's um, country comfort. Whereas now, playing to the space and to how grand it is, uh, it's a little bit more glamorous, and our emphasis there will be cocktails and French dip. Let's talk about the French dip. Iconic. Uh, and which one are you a believer of, Coles or Philippe? Uh, I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> You're going to have to get a better answer than that, because everyone's going to ask you in the coming weeks, months, years. So um, I think personally, for the experience, and, and um, you can say the food itself too, more colds. Um, I think we... we that's we, fine. That's we fine. <laughs> <laughs> Some people might not be okay with that, but that's fine. Um, what, uh, before we talk about the French dip, your team comes from Mesa Grill, Blue Smoke, Per Se, and of course, West, which is really amazing that you have old chefs coming and cooking in the new kitchen. Taking all of that talent, all that culinary experience, including your pastry chef who's making everything from scratch... How do you drive all of that into something that is so almost simple as a French dip? 
I felt that the sandwich needed a little bit more attention, especially um, on the East Coast. Uh, it was never a focus. It's just uh, uh, an afterthought on a lot of menus. And it's actually one of my favorite things, and it's something that I'll often get when I see it on the menu. Unfortunately, it often uh, leaves me disappointed, and I felt like it has this opportunity. It's, it's back to basics, one of my favorite dishes, and it really fits into the tradition of big meaty sandwiches in the, in the New York dining scene. And you have a classic, a deluxe, and a royale. What are the three designations of the sandwich? Classic um, is the, the, the house-made bun, the bread, with the roast beef and horseradish mayo. Um, for, the, for the deluxe, we're doing a fondue of gruyere along with onions. And then the royale um, is, is the classic with a beautiful piece of foie on it. Oh, wow. That is uh, incredible and incredibly decadent. But that's not the only part of the menu. From there, you have chops and everything. How did you build out a menu to support the anchor of the French dip? I think you kind of hit on it already. It's an iconic sandwich. So we're building an iconic menu, classic menu uh, around that. And uh, being that it's a French dip sandwich, uh, it feels like it's, it's extremely meat-centric. So we're going off of that. And in addition to the beef, we're also going to offer um, lamb and pork dip. The other interesting part of your kitchen is your pastry chef. Uh, she, she seems to have it's such an incredible pedigree and incredible background, and everything's going to be made from scratch in-house. How did you develop the pastry menu, or what is the inspiration for her uh, to build alongside everything else that's such like a classic dish? So... What I want to say first is how well our team works together. Uh, and, and please name them. Yes. Um, Harold, uh, Chef Glenroy, and Kathy. Uh, it's, it's a family, of, uh, it's a family uh, group, and uh, it's, it's a very natural uh, relationship. We play off of each other. We bounce, we bounce ideas off of each other. And we've come to a place where we feel really confident in the menu that we're building and the experience that it's going to give our guests. Uh, the pastries are inspired by classic American baking. Um, again, classic comforts. Dad, any advice for the third venture? Or as you move into the future together, you're bringing in additional voices. You have architects that are now in the mix. What is your advice to keeping the harmony or balancing as people begin to have more weight in the decision-making? Um, I'm very excited uh, for another reason. Okay. I'm going to be a grandpa. <laughs> Congratulations. <Soon. laughs> so uh, I don't even think of a third uh, restaurant. Um to me, right now, there are other more important mm -hmm. things in life. Mm -hmm. uh, for Jacob, uh, he's, he's, he's very passionate with what he's doing. I know he's, 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 he's going to be a third and a fourth and who knows how many. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to retire. <laughs> so, so that's a, that's a really honest answer uh, from my father, and I think it it, it shows uh, the confidence that he has in me and and the vision. Right? We uh, 
I think it, it's it's uh, the vision was really clear that we presented our team. We're still we're still uh, introducing it slowly to the public, uh, but coming together, I think uh, we all agree with with the direction it's going. And I think my dad, with his experience, is waiting to see uh, what's what, what some of these results are going to be and how he needs to react um, to to some of the decisions. I think that's where his expertise comes in. In, in improving systems, I think, more than anything. So that's what he's waiting on. And Dad might have hinted at plans to come, but is there more domination on the Upper West Side? Is there more pickles in the future that we can look for? Uh, again, um, I think we're at a point right now uh, where we're testing our infrastructure. We're expanding for the first time. Uh, but we have the strongest team that we've ever had, and, uh, and I feel if there's an opportunity, it's, it's very soon. Okay, well, George and Jacob, thank you for joining me on the show. Where can people find you? How can they make reservation? How can they wish you a warm welcome to the neighborhood? Um, so I think uh, we're, you can find us on Twitter, at Jacob's Pickles. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, info at Jacob's Pickles for any questions. Or Jacob at Jacob's Pickles directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can reach me directly. Write the man. With, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> do you write back? Do you have a good return rate? Yeah, we're, we actually do. I think that's really important. That's at the core of hospitality, for sure. That is absolutely the core of hospitality. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We have French Horn Rebellion live in studio next, but right now we have a great track from Johnny Lamb live on Snacky Tunes. funny what you do to me you're my honey as far as i can see and you told me that you found someone new ain't it funny what time can do I'm so blue I could love a million girls or two but I'll never be over you even steal for you I could break the law commit a crime or two ain't it funny what love can do yeah ain't that funny ain't that funny what you do what you do it ain't that funny cause I'm so blue I could win a million bucks or two but I'll never be over Oh, one more time, Johnny. 
I'm gonna hit every bar in this doggone town Have a smoke, pop a pill or two Drink some whiskey and eat a big old steak too Ain't it funny what love can do Yeah, ain't that funny what you do it ain't that funny cause I'm so blue I could drink a million beers or two but I'll never be over you I think I'll have a drink with a girl named Sue but I'll never be over you There are over 50,000 Chinese-American restaurants in the U.S. That's more than three times the number of McDonald's. How did Chinese-American food become so popular? And what's the story behind their unique menu of dishes like egg rolls and General's Chicken? Brooklyn's Museum of Food and Drink is going to explain it all with our next exhibition, Chow, the Making of Chinese-American Cuisine, featuring tastings, beautiful artifacts, and live demos of a fortune cookie machine. Visit chow.mofad.org to learn more, get advanced tickets, and help us make this exhibition a reality. Again, that's the Museum of Food and Drink at chow.mofad.org. Welcome back. We are live in studio with French Horn Rebellion. Boys, how are you? Hey. hey good. Guys. Oh, good. How you doing? Good. Uh, you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Robert. I'm, I'm the David. French horn player. It's David. <laughs> oh, I was doing it quick because, you know, it's a radio show. Yeah. we got to keep people's interest and all that. <laughs> okay, Robert. David. Zach. Zach's the quietest member of the group. But he, he has the biggest stomp box, though. Proper. Oh. Brothers. This is a family show. We just had a father-son on. I saw that. Darren and I are obviously twins, and you guys are brothers. So the inevitable question is, how is it working with family, especially within a creative endeavor? Complicated. Always. And exciting. <laughs> well, you know, your family is, you know, they're the best. They're your greatest asset and your greatest, you know, adversary at the same time. <laughs> So uh, it's everything and everything. I mean, I, that's the only way I'd have it, though. It's like to have everything. Like, yeah. Why would you want everything? Right. I mean, you also feel that you move totally in step with that. When it works, it's it's almost effortless. When it doesn't work, you're like, remember that time when you were seven and you did that thing? Because I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then that subconscious shit there, or I can't say the words. Really. You can. It's oh. internet radio. Oh, great. That bologna sausage <laughs> that you feel subconsciously about that time when they, yeah, I don't know, in great injustice has happened in your kids the great travesty of when you took the last bite or didn't do the dishes there was like a, a california raisin character that we had like figurine that we fought over relentlessly i just remember this because we were at uh where was i up uh up north a little bit and we were at um antique really boring story sorry i mentioned it anyway <laughs> california raisin remember that do you uh, actually remember I that? don't think so. Yeah, He's that, too young. That's the best part is that um, one tends to remember and the other is like, I have no idea what you've been holding on to. And you should have yeah. said something like 17 years ago and we could have solved this. Well, I remember the California raisins, but oh, I don't okay. remember. You don't remember the toy. I remember the fighting them. over it. I remember eating a lot of raisins. And were you two in separate musical projects? Well, I know, um, uh, Robert, you were in the Chicago Civic Orchestra. Yeah, so I played uh, classical horn. Uh, I went to Northwestern in Chicago. I played uh, some freelance out there and played in all sorts of groups, like the Chicago Civic Orchestra, which was really great. And um, would, would you say that you're classically trained? Yeah, so I'm a classically trained horn player. I'm so player. glad you mentioned that. You know, 
And, uh, you know, but David was the one that kind of got me into doing production. So when we were in high school, he, was, he had his friend, he had a buddy in high school that used to, his name's Zach Meyer, and he would, they would get on tape, you know, four-track tape. We had a multi-track cassette. You could get four at your, of yourself at the same time. If you ping-pong record, you get infinite amount of tracks at that time. Well, that's, I mean, that's ain't true at any time. But. So did you both get lessons growing up, or did you kind of go more towards the classically trained and you just did production and messed around? Well, we both went to school for it, unfortunately. Uh, I went for a composition, <laughs> and Robert, <laughs> Robert went for yeah. performance. So we were well-schooled. Well um, what right. we got from it, you know, is debatable. But uh, I think that what we really found ourselves engaging with was how can we make this that we love relevant to now mm. versus, you know, what we were learning or the historical context, which is all great, obviously important. But I think that next step is like, well, how do you make it meaningful to you now? And I think that's what when French Warner Billing came about, where this is like, we're going to take the stuff that we like about all the things that we do for me on my side is like music production and composition Robert size horn performance and then music production music composition obviously and were you ever in separate musical groups that fizzled out and you then joined oh, yeah. together what, where you oh, want yeah. to talk about your ben folds five cover band in high school i was in the ben folds five cover band and i played piano and i sang really high and i what couldn't was, sing high what was the name of the cover band uh, well, I had a different bunch of, but one was called the Cover Band, K-O-V-E-R. Classic with a K. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I don't even if we had a name. It was just like the best, the best bassist in the school, the double bassist. I was like, hey, can you play electric bass? She's like, yeah, electric bass is easy. Like all classical kids think everything that's <laughs> rock and roll is easy. <laughs> so it was her and me and this guy, uh, the only drummer I could find in my high school really liked metal. So we would play Ben Folds songs to like that's what I wanted to play, and then we would play like some like Slipknot and stuff that he wanted to play, but we would do it on piano, and uh, it was kind of stuff. A, it was kind of a weird combo. We had fun, but we had a good time. David in high school did a lot of like you know slow jam. A lot of ladies were like, David, I need somebody to play guitar. I like the slower tempo. I, Can I, you I play guitar. Can you play piano? Oh yeah. Well, and then there was the whole thing when like you know. Talent show every year. David's playing piano, and then the girls help him out. You know, like on my own, pretending he's beside me, and then it's David playing piano for like six six different girls that are all doing the same song. I mean, you got to go where the (laughs) the money is. (laughs) It worked out. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Uh, Can we hear a song? Absolutely. Sure. Speaking of singing, I'm going to try to sing now. Uh, What are you going to (laughs) play? It's just all in his covers today. Uh, what do you? Oh no, no, no! Wait, where does he go? What's Who this? am I? Who am I? I? Condemn this man to slavery. Yeah. Pretend I do not see his agony. <laughs> when I saw. I can do. Two. Sorry, I got really emotional, especially when the crowd got in there. Yeah, I mean it's a massive audience. Whew. What are you guys gonna play for us first? Actually, I think we just heard it earlier, the full, you know, production version. We're here doing Unplugged. Yeah. Or, or more Unplugged, a different arrangement of the song, The Right Time. So we've got David on keyboard, Zach's going to play bass, and we're all going to be clapping and, and singing, and um, Robert's gonna try I'm going to play, play the French horn. I'm going to try to sing. All right, here we go. <laughs> I got a friend with a lot of ambition 
He don't got all the right education. He don't need anybody's permission. It's always a riot on Saturday night. He's in love with a girl whose reputation is showing up alone without a boyfriend. And every time they miss their connection, cause he don't know she's ready to go. No, no. Is it ever really the right time to fall in love? And so she. Classically trained. A little classically trained, guys. A little classically Just a trained. Little bit. Didn't we end up naming our current album off of it? I think that might be the case. I think it's it's out now too, right? I believe we have an album that is out and about on Ensemble Records. It's on Ensemble Records, a very classical this is true. name too. Very no. classical name. It's a follow-up to the Fool and Round EP. So, what came from the EP that inspired the record, or what followed from that? That allowed you yeah. to write the full I name. think with Foolin' Around, we were kind of 
fooling around a little bit. I mean, your your names are giving away a lot of what's what to expect. But then with classically trained, that's when we like, mastered the yacht rock. Yeah, that's when yacht rock. I think what happened is Love. that we 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 have done all sorts of music. I think we started in disco, and then we moved to new jack swing. And on our second record and then on the last record we were trying to kind of figure it out and I think what happened was is that we discovered that we really like Yacht Rock um, which sounds ridiculous it's the natural next step <laughs> so, it's the I mean, obvious next step it's kind of so the new the classically trained takes an, into account and a lot of people have said this about the record which I think is really cool is that uh, yeah like we take we're taking into account all this stuff disco New Jack Swing Yacht Rock uh, Funk and we're putting it all in, and putting it all into one record and and so it's classically trained, but the, the process too. Yeah, the process of getting there the is kind of pulling around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of been our jam from the beginning. Is we get excited about what kind of genres we can mash up together and then make it feel like it's something that is relevant at the moment that we're doing it versus something that's just about something from the 80s or just about something from the 70s but like integrate a lot of what's going on with like glitch pop or house music or future bass or whatever is like you know new stuff tropical house are there any records from your shared youth that inspired this record or collective reference points a lot of stuff yeah probably well you just heard the beach boy harmony the beach boy beetle thing i think is obviously huge for everybody but big for us, and <clears throat> excuse me. And then um, I think a lot of jazz inspiration. I was a huge jazz guy in high school. I loved that stuff. And, and um, Coltrane, that kind of John Coltrane and Miles Davis, all the regular, you know, uh, people. But and then I think we we got in. We didn't realize all the stuff that we were listening to as kids because we grew up in a household that actually there was no uh, pop music being played. We had to go into the basement to listen to our MC Hammer tapes. Yeah, and they were given to us as birthday gifts by, only. By peers, the outside of the family. Outside the family. What was, yeah. what was the family listening to, or what was the reasoning behind no pop music? Well, Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, Mozart, Yes, Bach. almost only classical music and show tunes. Yeah, and Broadway show tunes were had a... Okay, I don't know how they got in there. It's because of the moral integrity of that stuff is a little bit higher. <laughs> so it came from a moral a moral high ground? Uh, We're from Milwaukee, which is pretty conservative place. So, What was your favorite show tunes growing up? I know we already covered Les Mis. I'll go first. Mine was Into the Woods. Oh, great well, one. Well, Sonic, well, they're speaking of morality, but I mean, I feel like that was like good examples there in the Sondheim tradition. I think probably... Really smart stuff with heart. Jesus Christ Superstar is definitely my number one, mainly because it sounded like a rock and roll record. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the it's, well, the original recording in the '60s. The, you see, the there 70s, in, in, the 70s. it was late '60s, early late '70s. 60s, early 70s. But they had like all the inspiration from the you know what was going on with rock and roll and you know, I guess funk in a way. The but original cash recording from the '60s or '70s. Highly is, emotional. It's really cool because it sounds like a classic rock record. Yeah. And David, your favorite Broadway musical or show tune? We can even go track specific if you would like. Oh gosh, I'm not prepared. Well, does Disney count? Disney's totally fine. <laughs> David likes Disney. He goes there every year still. What? He went there for his honeymoon. That's fine. Dar- is- Dar- what? Darren goes almost every weekend. <laughs> nice. Well, they do make it easy with the trip. Uh, never mind. See, he knows. <laughs> he does all the deals. If you go off-peak, it's better. Uh, <clears throat> David, I know you also own a, a studio, U2 you you Can Woo. How much of the record was done in there, if any, and... What type of freedom did that give you to explore your yacht rockiness? 
At you two can woo. We've been building for years now, like that space. Will you ever be finished? Well, no, no, <laughs> no. But it's getting it's just getting more and more exciting every next step that we take. Um, so recently, we have a five person team plus seven now seven people. So what was really awesome about this album is that we got to use everyone's talents, and it was like a cumulative kind of group effort um, to like to do it. So. I mean, some of it was done at Sue's, some was done at Robert's apartment, some was done at my apartment, um, but it was p- pretty much, like, one of the best group, e- group efforts I feel like we've, we've ever done. And what are the positions that make a good balanced studio? What now is really allowing you to spread your producer wings? I think it's the trust that you, you put into your collaborators. Like, Zach, for you know, he started just as a friend, like, a couple years ago, and now he's been playing bass with French Horn for a while, and now he's a part full-time part of the studio and like just getting to know him from the time being friends and like you know i don't know chit-chatting over beers and like music that we love and all that kind of stuff the trust that when we can like can cultivate together then like makes the creative process so fluid and it's fun you know can we hear another song what are you gonna play for us now i'm gonna be like oldie i'm gonna do an old one an oldie but a goodie so the first one is the right time the lead single off of classly trained this next one is this moment which is off of uh, our first album ever from 2010 called Way Back Infinite When Music. Way Back and it lends itself very nicely to this arrangement and it's called This Moment so we're gonna give that a shot Come on, 
One of the other great things about the French Horn Rebellion is your music videos. Oh, thank you. Thanks. I really, really love them, especially the uh, entrapment high scene reference in <laughs> the right time. Yeah. I mean, I think that that image is seared into most people's brains yeah. over a certain era. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're so right about that. Well, it's classically trained. I think the album takes a lot of influence from... So the visual element is to take advantage of all the stuff that we grew up really enjoying and thinking was yeah. really cool. So and entrapment... Ar- Ariel, or, the director on that, was totally keyed into that same kind of like zone. Yes. Yeah, so Ariel Fisher is her name, is the director, amazing director. She's out in uh, Los Angeles, and we actually shot that in Los Angeles with her. It had an L.A. vibe to it. Yeah, it's the alleyways, you know. The stunt doubles. (laughs) David got a stunt double on that one. That's because I didn't need one, you know? Yeah. That was really cool, by the way. That's a brother dig. That's a straight-up brother dig, and I'm going to call it like I said. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't mind. That's fine. I don't even hear it anymore. You know, I and can do flips you, on my own. Huh? How did you find Ariel, and how did that visual element come into the process? So Ariel, this is pretty. Fu- this is a long story. There's a guy named Tom Dunkley from D- GBH. Okay, he's a guy around town who does parties. So all the biggest parties. He's a friend of mine. We know Tom. Party. Everybody knows Tom. Everyone knows. So there Tom knew this guy named Mishka randomly. This guy Mishka was in town for an ad, and he had yeah, extra I camera think it was gear. Through MJ, did you know MJ? MJ was through Mishka's MJ? friend. Yeah. And then Mishka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Mishka then did a music video for uh, Deidre in the Dark, which is David's wife's project. Which is an amazing project, and then he did a, a video from French Horn Rebellion for California, and then Mishka introduced us to his whole team, who then introduced us to Ariel. Right, they got a team called Whitelist right now. Um, before that was Everdream, and this is another great crew of of collaborators, director, peoples, and we found Ariel a part of their crew. It really was like perfectly keyed into the visual aesthetic and totally got all the references, and then she was in charge of just making it real. And just effortless. Effortless. Yeah. She just, she just I, did it. I don't know it how. She, I don't know how. It's amazing, right? Because, like, you know, we never had a video quite as good as The Right Time before that. Like, maybe Fooling Around was the one she did I right really, before that. I really liked Fooling Around. She I also liked, did that I one. liked the mom's yeah. night in. That was, that was Ariel's first video with us. So she did Fooling Around and The Right Time. Oh, perfect. I mean, yeah. you can see they're visually tied together. Uh, the mom's night in game. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, where did you find the mom's? Ariel found, Ariel found the moms. Where is she? We gotta get her on the phone. Yeah, How did she find? Them? I don't know. I think she needs. She deserves a whole interview she, on her own because she really. Yeah, like out of nothing, it, like nothing she created those things and those all those ideas that perfectly went with the music. I felt like the whole like in terms of, in terms of understanding where the music is coming from. I feel like the visuals that she's put together really kind of like help you understand. And I feel from watching them, they are the perfect visual complement to the music that you're making. Sometimes the videos are so far removed from what you seem to be about but they seem to be so in step from the music that's coming out on the new record and the EP they just seem like the, the right compliments for what you're doing thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We think, yeah we're pretty jazzed on them so what's up next record's out uh, any tours show dates back in the studio finishing the studio we have some very exciting future plans I don't know can we talk about it is that something we can well we're going to be going on adults? tour but it won't be until next year but uh, we are uh, uh, in the process of doing some really fun stuff. So The concept of what's made this album so awesome to us, like I was talking about before, about the kind of like bringing people together community element, like it's kind of back going back to like the whole band symphon- symphony of high school idea. You're bringing everyone together, playing different instruments, and somehow you make the sound together. And it's a kind of like an inspiring 
thing to witness and to be a part of. So we were thinking, what can we do to bring this to the next step now that we're here? So that's what the next thing. I don't know if we're going to. Maybe we'll keep you. Keep well, we it, have, our next suspense. next thing, part one, is our second record. And that, that record was all featured vocalists and featured guests and stuff. So we're taking what we've done with Classically Trained and what we've done with Next Jack Swing Part 1, and we're going to bring it into like a whole other level next year. So we're getting that in the motion right now. So stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. There's going to be some good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, we want to make sure we have time for one more song. So thank you for coming and joining us on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Where can people find you? Where can they download the record, buy the record, get the vinyl? See you on tour. Frenchwarnerbellion.com. Frenchwarnerbellion.com is currently where everything the hubbub is. So make sure to follow, you know, yeah. and all that, and then you'll be, in, you'll be in touch. All the different social medias. But, Greg, this is a really fun program. Thank you so much for having us. And I don't know if everyone knows, but there's a window to everyone enjoying pizza here. It's good. So we can, and like, we just ate some pizza. Right. And, and George and Jacob actually brought us food from Jacob's Pickles. So they brought gonna, some pickles, too. Yeah, we're going to eat that afterwards. Uh, thank you to Sarah for helping set this up. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Sarah. To George and Jacob. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to check out our archives, which are all downloadable through iTunes. Thank you, boys, for coming. What are you going to take us out with? Well, we're going we're gonna to do fooling around now. Oh, perfect. So we're going to start with the right time. It's the right time to play French and Rebellion, and now we're just fooling around, and we're going to eat some pickles. And make sure to check out the video because it's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, the, video, the two videos are awesome. They're up and available. Follow us on Facebook, all that jazz, and you can get up to date and all that kind of things. So, Well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Snacky Tunes. Oh, 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 oh,
what we knew And it's going on, going on And she said she wanted a bass player listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.